This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kelly, and today, you guys, I have Dr. Leslie Abgar, a medical doctor at that, because I know a lot of you, you know, have got your PhDs and, like, leisure studies, and say, hey, I'm a doctor, too. Uh, We have something in common. No, her journey was a little bit different and a lot harder than yours, but she is going to tell us how, as a serial entrepreneur, she has gotten into the cannabis industry and owns multiple companies from greenhouse wellness to or to Pure Vita Medical Spa, High Heels, and there's even more. I can't wait to hear the story. Welcome, Dr. Leslie Abgar. How are you doing? Well, thank you, Callan. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. And I just I, I have to know how a medical doctor got into the cannabis industry because there's still that stigmatism, unless you're in your home state and where I just came from of Seattle or Colorado or California, where folks are like, Hey, it's just in the air. You see the, you know, the green signs and everything. How did you get in this business as a physician? And was it scary? Were you scared of being kind of blackballed and shunned by your colleagues? Well, Kellen, it's such a good story. And it's a great question. So yes, I did grow up in the Pacific Northwest, the beautiful, beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I was fortunate to be exposed to a lot of different kinds of medicine out there. Now I'm a university trained board certified OBGYN. And so that's Western training, we deal with randomized controlled trials, we like to see the studies, we like to see the raw data. And obviously, cannabis is well outside of that model. But after practicing traditional medicine for so many years and seeing the holes in medicine and the difficulties in medicine and the fact that patients just wanted a pill to feel better, a pill to go to sleep, a pill to increase their sex life, what have you, and they didn't really want to work on being well or wholeness or holistic medicine, I really saw a need to do something different. So my best friend and I were given an opportunity kind of out of the blue. And it's a kind of a funny story. We talk about it in our book about how it happened, but we decided to put our two brains together. She's a serial entrepreneur and an engineer by training. And I'm the medical doctor. And we decided to put together a proposal to do a cannabis dispensary in a new way that would marry both my legitimacy of having the medical knowledge of my medical degree and also try and change the industry from one that is so recreationally based into one that's really got some medical background and legitimacy to it. And it's been a roller coaster. We've been told no more than we've been told yes. And we've been told we were wrong, wrong, wrong. And yet today we are incredibly well and thriving even in a pandemic. The um, governor here in Maryland decreed that cannabis was an essential medicine and an essential business early on in the pandemic. And it allowed us to stay open and change our model because of trying to keep everybody safe. But it's been absolutely tremendous. I just am so grateful for the opportunity to be here. Well, you know, this whole COVID time and, you know, folks are running scared and I'm so happy 
that, you know, finally the vaccine is out and many are taking it. Um, my, my wife is telling everyone from here to her home country in Cameroon that she's taking it and she's still here. So, you know, when they do offer it, uh, don't run. But, you know, has business been better? Because we know alcohol sales were up and we know depression and, you know, all type of, you know, anxiety is on the rise. So has been business been like better during these times? So, Kellen, another great question. Much to our surprise, our business has at least tripled. And it is number one, because initially everybody thought the sky was falling and there was a lot of anxiety. And um, to some individuals, they weren't sure if they were going to continue to be allowed to have their supply of their medicine. And so they wanted to stock up. And Gina and I both thought that this would end and that um, people's money would run out and they wouldn't have the funds to keep purchasing. But it turns out that cannabis, much like alcohol, is recession proof, that people will find a way to make sure that they have that necessary medicine. And also, so many users that we would think are recreational users are really treating something, whether they're aware of it or they're not. A lot of times that's anxiety and now full-blown depression, obviously, because of what this pandemic has meant for everyone. So yes, we had to pivot our, our strategy and the way we did things. We actually use the opportunity to remodel inside a little bit, create more space so that we could be more efficient. And we changed to a completely curbside model so that patients are not coming in person with our staff anymore. We put in, um, Gina was just fantastic about this, but she had the foresight to put in cough guards everywhere in the dispensary so that when we do open again, we will be um, as safe as possible. We also have a medical grade filtration system in there that can filter out even viruses as small as the coronavirus. So we definitely pivoted our model right out of the gate and certainly met with some resistance from our own employees, as well as from the community, because they just didn't see how we would be able to deliver the same level of service. But actually, I think it's better. And I think the patients would tell you it's better as well. Because we, we sort of model ourselves after the Chick-fil-A model of, you know, you get your, your meal within three minutes. But we want, we want minutes. Um, you, you arrive, we check your ID, we go get your purchase, we tell you how much it is, we ring you out, and you are gone. And, and it's seriously a matter of three minutes or less. And also, I now have as much time as I want to have a consult with a patient. So I can do Zoom conferences, or I can get a patient on the phone and do a consultation that is often much longer than the 30-minute window that I had when I was doing them in person. So in some ways, I think it's worked out better. We're protecting our vulnerable patient populations who are older. Our average age of patient, Kellen, is something like 62. So we don't want our vulnerable patients coming in and getting exposed to the virus. So we think it's been a a win-win. Wow. And were people stockpiling like we saw, you know, folks doing toilet paper, you know, and just trying to grab everything off the shelf? You know, we we sort of thought that that's what the initial increase in sales was due to, but it's been sustained, Kellen. So I don't think that's actually what's happening. Also, to be honest with you, more and more patients are now enrolling in this program here in Maryland so that the numbers 
of eligible patients are increasing, which has something to do with our increase in sales. Patients have had a complete change in uh, their reality and what they used to do on a typical day instead of driving into the office. Now they're at home in their work pants, AKA pajamas, and they are you know, working from home. And so perhaps the inhibition to being part of the cannabis program has been diminished. There's, uh, like I said, a big shift in everybody's mental status right now. And I think people are just looking to feel better and they are very amenable or receptive to cannabis now. Whereas when the program first came to Maryland, they were a little more skittish. I can tell you, especially a lot of my doctor friends from the hospital and from my office and from other offices were really looking at me like I had two heads when I you know, said I was going to do this. They said, Leslie, what in the world are you doing? You're going to throw your medical career away. You're like, you're insane. Why, what are you thinking? And now funny enough, they're either coming to me themselves or sending their loved ones or family to me for consultations and help because, you know, we, we have the, the benefit of a little bit of, of time that we've seen that cannabis has not been harmful and we've seen the benefit that it has, is, has, we've just seen what it can do for people. I mean, we've gotten patients off of opioids. We've gotten patients to extend their lives with terminal illnesses and be functional in that way instead of being so doped up on narcotics that they couldn't interact with their loved ones. We've seen patients re-enter the workforce. And so that trickles down. And that once you know somebody that cannabis has benefited. And once you've had patients coming back to you and saying, Hey, you know, I'm doing this and it's working and this is what's happening. It's hard to argue when you see patients improving and right in front of your face. Definitely. A lot of, you know, for years, the argument has been, you know, folks who want to use cannabis have love locks like myself or they're rock and rollers, surfers, uh, folks who, you know, kind of just live uh, laissez-faire, just, Hey, everything is, is everything type of life. Um, but you being a medical doctor and opening these business, I'm sure people just assume that you use yourself because you're so connected and have multiple businesses. But, you know, your can your tip your average physician come in and be a patient without losing their medical license or possibly losing their job if they happen to be tested? I don't know how often that happens. I haven't heard it often. And I know some who need to be tested. And I'm sure you do, too, because they're using more than cannabis. But, you know, what, how has that been? And what's that process? So that's, it's such a great question because early on I was seeing judges and police officers and teachers and neurosurgeons and cardiologists and all of the docs um, coming in to um, be treated for their chronic medical conditions that traditional medicine had failed them. And so that was I mean, my eyes were as big as saucers back in the day, you know, like, wow, this is really um, bigger than I thought it was going to be. But unfortunately, the real world has not yet caught up with that. So that anybody who works for the federal government, and we have so many of those employees here being right outside the DC beltway here, that if they are drug tested, they're going to fail. And that is incompatible with them continuing on in that vein. So unfortunately, we have a lot of patients who either do it on the down low or do not 
actually joined the program at all. I have a lot of people I know that say as soon as they retire from the federal government, they're going to come on to the program. And it's really depressing because truly if alcohol and tobacco were to be given a category right now, they would both be schedule one drugs as well. So it's, it's really sort of stupid that cannabis remains in the schedule one category. We're so laissez-faire to use your own words about alcohol use. And we don't necessarily test for that in the workforce like we do with cannabis, but alcohol is a lot more deadly and a lot more pervasive than, than cannabis. And so really what has to happen is we have to change the schedule of cannabis that does have documented medical benefits and it is not going to kill anybody. It might make you do stupid things, but unlike alcohol that can absolutely kill you, Cannabis is not, you can't overdose on cannabis. Uh, you can feel like you did and you can rock under the desk thinking that the feds are coming for you because you took too many brownies, but not actually going to kill you. Um, unlike alcohol, which can absolutely depress your respiration and your drive to breathe and you can actually die from that. So it just, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the world around cannabis. And we really would like to right the wrongs of, of the past and, and get things moving in a more positive direction for everybody. Do you, I come from the school of uh, politics of George Carlin. Um, that's who I, I like to follow, uh, you know, when he, when he was alive, but do you see any hope with this next administration, especially since we know um, at least one of them um, have used cannabis uh, as you know, that anything will change on the scheduling. Is it something that this next administration will be able to do? Or do you think it's even bigger than that? The DEA is a really difficult ball of, of yarn to unwind, Kellen, and um, I would hope that they would have them to deschedule cannabis and to make it legal throughout the country. It would certainly decrease the headaches and the hassle of those of us who are in the business. I don't think that it should be restricted. Um, now, that said, Kellen, I'm concerned about the quality going down because one of the things that I continually strive for with having our, our medical cannabis dispensary is the legitimization of cannabis and it is medical. And for that, we need to have all the components of cannabis, not just THC. And THC in these ridiculously high levels, that's, that's man-made, that's man-contrived. That's the last 80 so of years of prohibition and you know, create, it's like going to the wine store, Callan, and you, you're making a nice salmon on the grill and you'd like a nice Pinot Noir to go with that. But instead you go to the wine store and you just buy Everclear. I mean, that's really defeating the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. There's so many nuances to medical cannabis use. It's not about the THC. And unfortunately, when we deschedule this and when we legalize this, my concern is that just in all the other states, our home state included, the quality goes way down and you don't have access to the things that unfortunately don't make as much money. And one of them is CBD or cannabidiol, which is one of the most important parts of the plant. So yes, the government should do it. I hope that they will. The other thing coming out of this pandemic and this horrible economic um, dire straits that we find ourselves in, the tax revenue from such a move would be I think not nothing. And I think that that would be something to help bolster the economy as we come out of this pandemic. But yes, I am cautiously optimistic. I do think it's going to change. It's the horse is out of the barn. I mean, we've got more states that have cannabis um, programs than don't, and you can't unwind that. 
So it's the people can, and as we get more and more legitimate research, it's going to be harder and harder for these guys to, to deny the changes that need to happen. Okay. And, you know, you talk about the tax and, you know, we've heard even horror stories of folks who do have dispensaries and where you can put your money and how you can put your money. And, you know, it's almost, you become a, in the beginning, folks were becoming, you know, looking like criminals because they were putting money, you know, in a vault, in a safe, under the the mattress, whatnot. There's been stories on 60 Minutes of folks being killed and robbed because they're having this business, but they could not put it in the bank. Uh, you know, it was, you know, Scarface could have put his money in the bank, but these folks couldn't put their money in the bank. How has that changed or how have you been able to work with that? Because it makes you a target. Oh, it does. And it's one of the first things that we tried to address because as Gina will tell you, this is the hardest business she's ever run. And yes, it is ridiculous. So things that you and I would take for granted, opening up a checking account or opening up a business checking account or anything like that, you can't do in the cannabis space. But however, that said, we have a bank here in Maryland that does not cross state lines. It is solely just within the the borders of Maryland. And they actually agreed to bank with a certain amount of cannabis businesses. Now it costs a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of fees involved. We don't make any interest on our money. We still can't write checks, which is ridiculous, but true. And so we're lucky that we actually have a company that will come and pick up the cash and then take it and it gets deposited in the bank. But for any other business and any other state that does not have access to that, you're dealing with stacks of 20s and you've got to do payroll out of that money and you've got to put that money somewhere and it's it's drug money, right? And so the government doesn't necessarily want to touch it and the uh, FDIC insured banks don't necessarily want to touch it and it becomes a very difficult question. So we're really hoping that some safe banking laws are going to pass. We know that there are some things that are coming up for review and hopefully some votes. We hope that we can do this legitimately because it just adds another layer of drama and danger and perhaps illegal behavior. Like we want to be up and up. We want to be able to account for our, the ins and the outs in this industry and legal banking is certainly important to that end. What's crazy is if you like take that money from that bank and then, you know, you buy some cryptocurrency and try to shuffle it over somewhere else. They'll, they'll accuse you of money laundering <laughs> and, you know, and, and they'll also want to know your crypto, which kind of defeats the purpose of cryptocurrency. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that that is something I hope that, you know, the lobbyist for the industry can work on, especially with this administration and, you know, knowing that this has been a problem because, you know, as soon as it gets rescheduled, Bank of America is dang near going to change their emblem and their symbol. And it's going to be a cannabis symbol. (laughs) You got it. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, there's so many stories. I won't necessarily call any particular bank. But we've been invited to leave banks because they know that we're in the cannabis industry. And we can't tell if they're picking on us because we're women or because we're known because of the publicity that we have. Because there's a lot of guys that also bank with these same banks that have not been invited to leave. So, you know, there's there's going to be some voting with our feet that happens as things become more um, open and legalized because we're going to not 
forget who treated us well and who didn't as far as banking goes. But yeah, it's, if, if there were an industry that I would suggest that somebody invent right now and, and, and pursue, it would be another kind of a bank, whether it is like a credit union or whatever, but some kind of a bank that can function within the cannabis industry. I'm sure there's some smart listeners out there that could invent such a thing, but there's a huge need for safe banking. And if the government won't do it for us, then we're going to have to do it for ourselves. No, definitely. Um, I deal with and have some guys who are in my circle who they focus on a lot of online banking and you know they have all the the fancy degrees and it's just it's great conversation when we're talking about what the future is going to look like because you know I like going to Malta and because crypto friendly gaming friendly if you mix gaming and crypto you guys already know the guys in japan you know they'll bet 100 bitcoin like it wasn't anything because it's bitcoin and so it almost seems like to me in my crazy world that the cannabis industry needs to come over um and see in gaming and and just crypto what they can do legally um I'll put that a note for myself as well. I mean, seriously, it is a note for yourself. And Gina and I always say that there are so many ancillary opportunities within this industry. You know, everybody, you know, now that they see that this is happening and that it's successful and that everything's going well, that we just get people inquiring almost every day about how can I invest in you guys? How can I do that? And, you know, that ship has sailed. That was that was back in 2015 when we were applying for the for the permit. But there's so many ancillary industries that you could branch out into that are all surrounding cannabis, whether it's banking or actually there's a um, company that does an online um, payment option. It's called CanPay. And they're, for whatever reason, allowed to work within the, the industry and they're fabulous. So it just is automatically taken right out of your checking account. But there's so many opportunities. I would love to have somebody working on uh, software that could define terpene levels and different cannabinoid levels as far as what effects you may feel there's it's it's stuff that we really need um but you know gina and i only have so much time we can't we can't do all of it but yeah there's yeah tons of opportunities within this industry for sure to move the needle forward in a positive direction well that's why we have shows like this so you can let folks who aren't in the industry know like your services and something else can transfer over here. And, you know, I I hope that with, you know, social media, every time you see a need, you let it be known because there's uh, so many, it's so much money and opportunity for everybody globally. You you know, I I hate to hear, Oh, I don't have a skill. Yes, you do. You just haven't, you know, found out what lane you can use it. But with that time, how do you deal with, you know, time, you have multiple businesses, you left practicing medicine. And so you serve as, you know, medical director and entrepreneur and a co-founder. How do you schedule all of that? So, you know what you do, Colin, you hire really good people. You surround yourself with amazing people that can manage the businesses on a day-to-day basis. And so what Gina and I do is we pop in so that people can see our leadership and they can see our faces, but we're intimately evolved behind the scenes. Um, At my med spa, I have um, an amazing crew who can function with or without me. I actually even have um, another practitioner here who can actually even function as the medical director if I'm not on site. So it's truly about hiring people who are super smart in ways that you're not 
and uh, um, really attention to them and taking care of them as a family. So again, it's a difference that the way Gina and I have approached setting up Greenhouse as a business, we, we hired some pretty smart cookies. They're not what you would consider bud tenders. We actually call our staff wellness consultants, first of all, but we have RNs, we have patients, or we have uh, employees with advanced degrees, and we pay them accordingly. Like they, the people make a good living working at Greenhouse because they're important. The, the whole model of how cannabis distribution works with this ridiculous scheduling situation if you came to me, Kellen, and you said, hey, listen, I have high blood pressure, I would say, okay, Kellen, here's your blood pressure medicine that I want you to take. I would give you a prescription. You would go to your pharmacy, you would fill it, and you would take it as directed. But in the cannabis world, as your physician, I'm not allowed to give you a prescription for cannabis. That's illegal because it's a schedule one. So all I can do is give you a recommendation that I think cannabis may work for you. And then it's up to you and your wellness consultant or your bud tender, whoever you see, to actually figure out how to get you the medicine that you need for your specific issues. And it's insane. Like that model is just doomed for failure. So what Gina and I did out of the gate is we turned it on its head and we said, hey, listen, we need to hire uh, really good staff and train them as if they were in residency so that I had to learn it all first <laughs> as the medical director. And then I taught my staff. So they're now all my chief residents and interns and medical students. And now they can function without their attending physician being there. So truly it is a dance every day. We are pulled in multiple different directions, but Gina and I can orchestrate from behind the scenes for most of it. The, um, the biggest problem actually was when we decided that we wanted to create our own brand for female products called Blaceva. And so when we first started our dispensary, we were horrified at what products were available to treat our patients that were coming in. And 51% of our population is female. And there were a lot of women coming in to be treated. And um, the names of the strains were fairly off-putting. And a lot of my 62-year-olds don't want to smoke. They want other options. So it became very clear very early on that we needed to create our own line of products. And we named it Blaceva after sativas, okay, uplifting. And then the very first endocannabinoid that was discovered is called um, anandamide, and that is Sanskrit for supreme joy or bliss. So we were really trying to tap onto those two words and create a line that meant something, it meant something positive. And Blaceva was a rip-roaring success right out of the gate because it was discreet and it was mindful. So we put together compounds in a ratio in a way that we felt we're gonna give people a certain effect. And no, it's not just for women. We have lots of guys that come in and buy Blaceva as well, but there's really nothing directed toward women and everything in the cannabis, cannabis market is really directed at men. So we really felt that it was an untapped resource and it's been incredibly uh, rewarding, but hard. It's been hard because it's hard to convince somebody else that your vision is the correct vision and it's a vision that they should take on. We actually had um, an international partner that had agreed to manufacture um, Blaceva for us in multiple states. And unfortunately, uh, because of a number of factors, that company ended up going under. So we continue to be in a position where we would really love to have Blaceva manufactured all throughout the country. And I say the world. Um, but um, it's it's really hard when you know that something is is the right thing to do, and 
you can't get an audience that is necessarily in agreement. It's, it's been the toughest business for sure for, for Gina and I to run, but we are stubborn. If nothing else, we are <laughs> stubborn <laughs> and where there's a will, there's a way. And we have a few different licenses in play right now. And we're really hopeful that we'll be able to take that to the next level very soon. Well, I definitely love the website. And um, I saw the Beyonce reference, who runs the world, girls. And, you know, I was like, wait, hold on. Where is the influencers for this? Because I'm a consultant. And a lot of the influencers that we have, they love a product that they could white label, especially those who are into that. So you put out a, a call to influencers and find the right ones. Um, we've had it where it's it just the, the amount of money. When I talk about money, folks are like, they can make that amount of money. Yes. But if an influencer is making that amount of money, think of how much they're making for the company. You know, it's not Shaq's uh, or LeBron's check that I'm impressed with. It's the team that I'm impressed with on how much they've made off that being able to pay. But b- before you go into, if you guys are looking at an influencer play, I have to ask, cause you said you kind of treat the training like residency. And I think residency for medical doctors is hell. Um, do you pimp out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> your folks, because that part of the residency had me ready to go fight a couple of times. I was ready. My wife like, calm down. This is why you're not in it because you couldn't handle it. I love that you know that. And I absolutely 100% do, but in a nice way. I do not um, throw anybody under the bus, but we do role playing where I pretend to be a patient who comes in with certain complaints and I help them. We have quizzes, we have reading assignments and things like that. Um, I harass them as much as possible. Like in the very beginning when everybody was really learning, 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 learning. I would ask them to research what their favorite terpene was and why, Um, you know, so initially the quote residency program was probably a little bit more stressful than it is today. We have a couple of um, textbooks in quotations that I have them read. Uh, There's actually a medical director, medical doctor in Maryland who wrote a really good overview of cannabis as it relates to medical um, therapies. And I really like it because number one, she believes the same things that I do. I like it when people agree with me. Um, It's a short and easy read. And she repeats herself, which is what we need because this is a new language and these words are hard. And so we need to keep hearing them again and again until they become part of our normal vernacular. So I would say that, yes, some of my lovely employees have probably sweat a little bit in there, but it's all in good fun. And it's all with the intention of promoting the best care to the patients because they're in a pretty significant position of power that their guidance with a patient is going to be really critical to whether or not that patient has success or failure So it's not something that we take lightly. And I know we're very much the outliers, but education is key. And happily, my my employees are pretty well-versed in cannabis because they're, um, I think, almost without exception, they're all users of cannabis themselves. But uh, yes, my sweet, I have definitely pimped them on occasion. I do. um, I kind of come in sometimes and if it's slow for a minute, I'll, I'll ask them a certain question and see what they say and just put in a couple of learning points. But um, no, it's a very gentle residency at this point. Okay. That, well, that's, that's cool. And so we'll go to the influencers with, you know, 
bliss. Have you looked into the influencer marketing? And if, if so, let us know because our influencers listen and they always want to kind of know what a, a deal is out there in, in the different areas uh, and products. Well, I think that's fantastic. Once we ramp up, we have a, a list of or a, a line of four different um, products. And one we have right now is the balance pen, which is for anxiety and sleep. And it is something that just helps you um, fall asleep if you're in bed and your mind is racing and you have anxiety. Funny enough, so many of us have that right now due to this lovely pandemic. And then the second line we did was called Soothe, which is a little bit higher in THC, but it was a daytime pen that was allowing you to still work and be functional and also treat your chronic pain. But we have a sex line that we um, have right on the pipeline, ready to roll. And we also have, cause you know, I'm a gynecologist. I know a thing or two about that, right? My patients have been asking me for that for years and the husbands and the boyfriends and the partners have been asking me for that for years. And then we have a line um, called heal, which is going to be more for chronic medical conditions, as well as weight loss. So we have a couple of things that we are super excited about. So once we get that up and rolling, especially here in, in Maryland, I think your influencer idea is absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm going to absolutely share that with Gina. It's a great suggestion. Okay, awesome. Now, you gotta, I just can't let that fly by, the sex line. Talk, what is that <laughs> going to be about? Because that can be, I mean, that's a podcast and a YouTube of its own that HBO might want. <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, the line is called Smolder, which is actually my favorite of all the lines. And being a gynecologist and understanding the physiology and the dysfunction that a lot of women endure, it's really idiot proof for me to then go ahead and know and develop how this works on the female body. Um, Intravaginal um, medication is done all the time in, in gynecology and even in obstetrics. And uh, it's a really nice way of dosing because it bypasses the liver. It gets right into your bloodstream. The absorption is very quick and easy. And then if you combine that with a vape pen, you're going to have absolutely immediate gratification, immediate onset of action. I think anybody who has ever used cannabis knows what effect it has on your sexual function and your sexual enjoyment, especially women who tend to be a little held up in their heads and a little bit like too much going on upstairs that they can't be in the moment. And cannabis can help them disassociate and really feel in their body and stop thinking so much, which is part of where the disconnect comes between men and women in the bedroom. So we're going to have a two-step approach so that there's going to be uh, intravaginal um, lubricant slash powerful medicine, as well as, uh, well, I don't really necessarily feel like having sex. Let me go ahead and puff on this, this uh, vape pen, this smolder pen, and now I want to have sex. So it's going to be a twofold uh, benefit. And believe me, I'm not sure who will be buying more of them, men or women, but it's obviously knowing what I know from being a gynecologist for so many years, this is a big market and we're really excited about it. I have people in the, in the GYN industry, in the space and in the pharma uh, pharmacy world and the, um, in the development of, of big pharma medications that we have on board to help with this. So we're really excited about it, Colin. Well, I can tell you more men will at least have a supply, (laughs) but, 
let's, you know, I, I, some folks don't want to smoke anything. So could that ever be an edible yeah. or any type of, you know, cream, which the cream would got, be kind of scary because you'd have guys, <laughs> you know, hey, how you doing? And, you know, thinking they have a better chance. Um, is, is there any edible options down the line for that? Yes, yes, there are. And it has to do with the physiology of what happens when you consume cannabis, because for anybody who's overused cannabis, and I'm sure a lot of people have, there, it has a different effect depending on how you put it into your body. So if you eat cannabis, whether you are drinking it or sucking on a gummy or a mint or something or chewing it, swallowing it like a cookie, it has a different effect on your body than if you vape it or smoke it. So if you vape it or smoke it, it's immediately active and it's something called Delta 9 THC. It's got about an hour and a half, maybe two hours of longevity. You kind of know what it is. It comes on kind of immediately. It doesn't really augment over time. It is what it is. So you can dose yourself very quickly and easily. So a lot of my patients are opposed to smoking and vaping because they don't understand it necessarily. So a lot of times I can get one of my older patients or somebody say who's suffering from lung cancer or whatever to be more open-minded about that as a medication strategy. But clearly those mints or those gummies or something in a little tin that you keep in your little breast pocket and you pop in your mouth, a very discreet way of dosing. And we have some people that we're in um, talks with that have kind of an immediate release way of dosing um, just by putting something in your mouth. So yes, we have a lot of really cool things coming because really what we have to do is speak to what the, the people want, what the patients want. And Gina and I look at ourselves and then we say, if we want it, if we're attracted to it, chances are the rest of the community and the rest of the country wants it as well. Wow. Wow. And, and I, you know, and let me take it back. Cause I'm thinking I could have some listeners say, Hey, Kellen, some of the men need some help. So the women, we will be buying them too. And I'm just, you know, I, sometimes as a male, that thinking is it's, it's rare. It's like uh super, uh, what is it? Super foundation when the woman is pregnant by, you know, two different men, whatnot at the same time. It's like, you know, usually it's the men complaining, Hey, but I know women have that area where they surpass. Right. Usually, and, and I say, that's when they need to get a young man, pool boys and all that good <laughs> stuff as, <laughs> as options. Right. It, it just balance. It. Yeah. Balances out. Um, yeah. But no, that that's awesome. Now, hiring good people, having multiple businesses, you are definitely a serial entrepreneur. How do you know, like, I'm going to go and focus on this business, like high heels, you know, that's not even on your LinkedIn yet. So how do you know, you know, when you need to go work at something or is it just a feeling because you're just you know, like, hey, I've kind of made it. I can do what I want to do. You know, uh, that's a really good question. And I think it honestly has to do with bandwidth. And as a surgeon, you deal with triage, right? You got to stop the big vessels before you stop the little vessels from bleeding. And so in a triage situation, we kind of are dealing with the biggest problem on our plate at, the, at any particular moment. But as I look at my week, I definitely look at the different businesses and I see kind of what needs attention at that particular time. And I try and divide my, my time accordingly. High heels, it's so funny you, you mentioned that because I just texted Gina, I wanna say it was just this morning and I was texting her a copy of the bank statement and I just was laughing. I'm like, 
well, we're not doing anything with high heels, but people are still interested in the story and they're still buying the book. So it, it's just very interesting. It was really designed to be um, a talking point and just to, it was just really a fun and whimsical uh, story because it, anywhere we go in any podcast or any interview I give, people always ask, how in the world did you get started in this? This is so unlikely for the two of you. How did it happen? And so really what that is, is it's a story of how we began and her went through and it was really supposed to be an inspiration for us to say that you can do it too we're not we just decided to go for it and I was really lucky to have been surrounded by a team of people who encouraged me I had one very successful entrepreneur friend uh, way back in the day who gave me two rules and he said be like Nike and just do it and surround yourself with people who know things that you do not and uh, really, really good rules. And at some point, Kellen, you just have to jump. I mean, you you have to believe in yourself and just jump. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you'll figure out what not to do next time. But if you don't jump and if you don't try and if you don't reach for the stars, you're never going to get there. And I, like Gina, we just, we want an extraordinary life. And I'm so passionate about helping others. That's why I became a doctor. It's really hard for me as as a human to to separate who who is Leslie Opp- from that doctor and need to heal and to help people. Uh, so it's just really an extension of who we actually are. So yes, it is hard to divide up the time between the different companies, but hiring good people and really recognizing and listening to when somebody shows you who they are to believe them and believe them the first time because people really will show you who they are it's just a matter of really seeing them and not being swayed by who they appear to be on paper, but who they actually present when they're in front of you. And that's how we've been so lucky with our hires. Was it hard to walk away after, you know, 17 years of medicine? Was it hard to walk away and say, you know what, I want to focus on me, my business, my kids future and what, you know, they can do because, you know, that's, you do so much schooling, so much work. Folks look at you sometimes as, you know, the last person their mother is going to see and, you know, that responsibility. And we know like the neurosurgeons, they really think they're God, right? And so, <laughs> so they, it's real hard for them to walk away. But was it hard to walk away from your patients because you're bringing in life and making sure after the fact women are right? Kellen, it was the hardest thing I've done. So I agonized over this. I agonized over it. I felt that it, I mean, medicine is a calling. And I had, like you said, spent 25 years studying to do what I had done and then another 20 years practicing it. So how terrifying for me to walk away from that. It all, I also felt like I was leaving the community um, at a disadvantage because I really had a passion for the complicated uh, minimally invasive surgeries that other people didn't necessarily wanna do. And it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But I realized that nobody was taking care of me. You know, I was so busy worrying about my patients and worrying about the community and worrying about women, but nobody was taking care of me. So very hard decision, horrible to do it. But honestly, I've never looked back. I am so grateful that I have other businesses that I can see my patients And I can see, if you can believe this, the kids that I've delivered as patients, which really makes me feel old. 
but I'm so, I'm just touched by the fact that I still am in contact with so many of my patients, either emails or they send me cards or letters, or they come in as patients to any of the business businesses. That's what really warms my heart. And it turns out that you take yourself with you. So I'm the same person, whether I'm at my medical spa or dealing with placebo or at greenhouse or out writing the book and that doctor self and that healer has just opened and become a little bit bigger and a little bit different and embracing kind of more holistic medicine. And so it, it turned out to be a gift, but at the time I was terrified. Wow. And for the guests, you've heard me say this over and over with, you know, when you have people who are doing a lot, you need to find that circle that's tight, that folks can take care of you because mental health, the physical, just, you know, I tell my clients, somebody bothering you, um, we'll get there and we'll, we'll handle it. Right. Because our job is to make sure you can do your job and be, you know, totally taken care of. But even in the influencer world, you will see folks ready to kill themselves because of all the bad hate stalkers and, and, you know, especially when you're at a certain level and even family. So it's important to have people around you who will take care of you and not just trying to mooch off of you. Um, because of course you have that. I'm sure you have a whole bunch of friends and family don't say their names who, Hey, I need a job. And it's like, I would never want to hire you because you're going to be a bigger headache. <laughs> Callan, you're so, you're so right now. Luckily we have the very best people around us and we're so blessed to have that. But yes, when you put yourself out there and when you're passionate about something and when you build something, whether it's a small company or a big company or anything, you're going to get haters. And certainly I have been surprised by, by that. And yet you really have to be Teflon and you have to let that roll right off because you know what, we're getting noticed. And I'm going to go ahead and say that's a positive thing. I don't have to be your cup of tea. That's okay. I'm not trying to be everybody's cup of tea. But I think as far as advice to other entrepreneurs, if you're very clear about what your mission is, if you're very clear about what you're trying to do every day that you wake up, you're going to be a success. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. It's none of your business, what they say about you. It's, it's who are you when you look in the mirror? Can you put your head on the pillow at night, know that you did your best and that you helped in some small way? That's what, that's what this whole nonsense is about, right? It's, it's a rat race if you let it be a rat race, but instead, if you're committed to your purpose and you're committed to your mission, it's very satisfying to negotiate the turbulence because it's not all roses and sunshine. There's mm -hmm. definitely the haters out there, but it certainly makes it more doable. Well, while you're being Teflon, I highly recommend for all those who qualify, you know, the CCW, because it's one thing to take a shot. It's another thing to give one back. And with giving back, I'd love to know with all the success that you have had and that you're going to have in the future, the best is yet to come. What is your community give back that you are doing or that you're going to do in the future? It's a great question. So I actually do not charge for any of the consultations that we do. They're absolutely completely free. I do a lot of speaking in the community. Uh, we do a lot of educational um, speaking. We participate in food drives and coat drives and, and little things like that as well. But truly, I think the best gift that I can give the, to the community is education. 
And so that is something that I um, do of my own time, my own volition, and do not receive any form of payment. I do this um, both locally and I do it nationally as well. Well, awesome. You guys heard she can come to your area and speak and you can spread the game, spread the love. Dr. Leslie, I thank you for coming on and sharing the game. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.